Hello, and welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Here you can find all of our weekly messages. We trust that God will speak to you today. Enjoy the message. So glad that you're in church this morning. Um, a couple things before we get started. If you don't know who I am, my name is Michael. I'm the campus pastor right here at the amazing East Raleigh campus. Give it up for you. Come on, give it up for yourselves. I love East Raleigh. I love Apex too. I love them all. And uh, this is our last Sunday of the year. And so next week is Church from Home, but you came on a good Sunday. And uh, I just want to honor our lead pastors, Pastor Mike and Ashton, for the opportunity to preach. And uh, more importantly, uh, more importantly, just for, for the year that we've had as a church. Um, we've had such a good year. If, if your life has been touched at this church this year, would you just wave your hand like this? Come on. A lot of people. And uh, can we honor our lead pastors, Pastor Mike and Ashton? she snuck off to, but uh, tomorrow is is my wife and I's anniversary, and so I don't know, you know, how she put up with me, but uh, how she stays with me, but she's got a lot of grace, and uh, tomorrow we're celebrating seven years, and so if you see her, just say, just say, you made it, just keep going, because we know it's difficult, but you can, you can continue with him, he's all right, and so, uh, Wherever you're at, baby, I love you and thankful for you. Uh, we're going to get started real quick because we got a lot of baptisms to cover, and so I'm just going to preach for the next four and a half, five hours, and then we're going to get to it. But the title of today's sermon is, Who is Jesus? Write that down in your notes, Who is Jesus? I had originally contemplated on calling it, Who's Your Daddy? Uh, but this one seemed a little bit more appropriate, and so Who is Jesus is the title of today's sermon. And uh, who is an extremely important question. Who is contained in, in, in extremely important questions? Whom, who, whom will I marry? Very important question, right? Very important question. Uh, who am I? Who am I? Such an important question to know who you are. And who is Jesus is, is also a really, probably the most important question that you could ever ask yourself. A story a couple years ago, a man, he got off work early, and he starts to drive home. His wife doesn't know that he got off early, but he's driving home. And he pulls into his driveway, and there's a, a car that he does not recognize in his driveway. And he asks the question, whose car is that? Whose car is that? He goes inside, calls out for his wife. Nobody's home. Starts to walk upstairs into his bedroom, opens the door to his master bedroom, finds two people asleep in his bed feet hanging over, you know, dangling, sound asleep. He asks the question, who is in my bed? And then he starts, you know, to get angry. He's like, oh my goodness, my wife, you know, she, oh my God, what? So he runs downstairs, he, he goes to the garage, he gets a bat, gets a bat, runs back upstairs, and just starts beating the bed. I can't believe you would do this. 13 years of marriage. We've got three kids. How in the world? We said forever. We said, I love you. We put a ring on it just like Beyonce told us to. Come on. Why would you do this to us? It's everything I ever loved. And he, he throws the bat down and he starts to go back downstairs. He's heated. He, how in the world? Who is in my bed? Just as he's approaching the last stair, his wife walks into the house. And she says, oh, honey, I'm so glad you came home early. 
your parents came in a few days early from out of town and they were so tired and so I said you could sleep in my bed and it's just a joke you can laugh come on it's just a joke I don't actually know if it's a true story it might be I have no idea but who someone say who extremely important question to ask him Jesus asked the most important question that could ever be asked in Matthew chapter 16 and it says this let's read it together Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? In other words, who do they think that I am in Jesus? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Son. Thank you for power that is in this room right now. Thank you for the many that are being baptized and the many that were baptized last experience. We thank you that you are king in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, John. So we used to, right before people would get baptized at Focus for for years, and there's nothing wrong with that. We used to ask the question right before they were were dunked, um, why do you want to be baptized? It's a good question to ask. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that question, why do you want to be baptized? Uh, More recently, we've started asking a different question. The question we've started asking is, who is Jesus to you? I think it's a better question. When you can answer, who is Jesus to you, uh, right before you get baptized. And and so we're going to talk about this This is the whole, who is Jesus, who is Jesus to you? Uh, That's what we're talking about this morning. And and let's just dive into point number one, and here it is. Ready for it? Is Jesus is Lord. Someone say that on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Such a simple point. Point number one, that was so simple. That was easy. Can we move on to point number two? Well, let's talk about it first. Let's talk about it for a second. We find this in in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We find that Jesus is Lord. Uh, We find that actually God is referred to as Lord in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read it real quick. These are the generations of heaven and of the earth when they were created. This is Genesis 2-4. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Genesis 2-4. This is the very first time in all of the Bible where God is referred to as Lord. In fact, the original language would, would be Yahweh, but the, the Bible translators translate it to Lord. If we were to dive a little bit deeper, Yahweh would probably mean more of like he is, but, we're, but Lord is how we translate it in the Bible. So that's the first time we get Lord from the scriptures. Next in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, this is in the New Testament. It says this, And whatever you do in word or deed... Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, to God the Father through him. And so we find that God is referred to as Lord in the Old Testament, and Jesus is referred to as Lord in the New Testament. Now, in the passage that we just read in Matthew chapter 16, 
Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And at first glance, there's nothing significant about Caesarea Philippi. But if we're to do some studying and some digging and some diving, we would find that Caesarea Philippi is an area, a geographical location, dominated by rival gods, idols, and deities. It would almost be like if Jesus took his disciples to Las Vegas and he said, here's the God of money. This is the God of sex. Over here's the God of violence and over here's the God of gambling. This is who the world deems is Lord. Who do you say that I am? And so he takes them to Caesarea Philippi and he asks them, who does the world say that I am? Now, if I were to meet with each and every person here and at our Apex campus and watching online and sit down with you, and if I were to say, hey, Mario, who do you think that Jesus is Lord? Hey, who who, would you say? I'm sorry. Who is Lord? If I were to ask every single one of you, who is Lord? My guess is that 99.9% of people in this room would probably say, yeah, Pastor Michael, Jesus is Lord. Yeah, of course, Jesus is Lord. I'm going to say something strong here. It's one thing to say that Jesus is Lord. It's entirely different to live like Jesus is Lord. Anybody can say that Jesus is Lord. Hardly anybody lives like Jesus is Lord. A lot of you serve God on Sunday and grief on Monday. And grief determines your decisions. And grief has become depression, which has become your emotional state that you constantly live in and every single thought and word uh, from your mouth and the music you listen to and the shows that you watch on television. Uh, You don't serve God on Monday. You serve the Lord of grief on Monday. Many of you serve um, Jesus on Sunday and Tuesday comes around and you serve jealousy. Oh, how grateful you are for everything that the Lord has done in your life during worship on Sunday. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for my house and my job and my kids and and my wife and all these things. And thank you for our health and thank you for our 401k. I don't know. Thank you for all these things. And, And you come in with this attitude of gratitude. And then Tuesday comes around. And you're just coveting everything that you see online. Man, if I were only this person, if I were just a little bit stronger, a little bit skinnier, man, if I only had, had these kids, if I only had this house, and you're coveting your workers and your friends and your relatives, and man, it looked like you served God on Sunday during worship, but Tuesday comes around and you just serve jealousy. And jealousy has become your Lord. And you're serving multiple masters. Oh, the list goes on. We can serve shame. The shame of our past dictates our thoughts, our actions, our decisions, how our life is put into place. We can serve money. This ain't a sermon about giving, but some of you would have way more faith if you made way less money. Money has become your God. And the decisions that you used to bring to the Father, you just pay for them now. You don't even ask God what you're supposed to do anymore because your money covers it. Money has become your God. Every single application on your phone is in regards to finances. And the Bible app is nowhere to be found. Why? Because you may think that you serve Jesus, but you really just serve money. 
I'm not talking about generosity. I'm just talking about where's your heart, your mind, your actions. If everything that you do revolves around money, you and I aren't serving the same God. Many of you, and also very strong here, uh, it's very possible to serve freedom. Hmm? What does that mean? God has done so much in your life. He sets you free. He's done all these good things in your life, and then you walk around with a chip on your shoulder thinking that you're more free than somebody else. The moment that you think that you're more free than somebody else, you're in bondage. (laughs) Who are you serving this morning? Are you serving your past? Are you serving your children? Don't let me get started there. Are you serving your children? Are you serving acceptance who is lord i'm not talking about sunday who's lord over your life monday through saturday are you serving multiple lords you know people um people have been trying to disprove uh that that god is lord that jesus is lord you know forever it's it's always the enemy it's always the same tactics packaged differently in different wrapping paper but there's one going around more recently that's, that's trying to disprove the Bible and disprove, because if they can disprove the Bible, then they can disprove that Jesus was the Messiah and was God and all of these things. And so they're trying to disprove the Bible. And, and so one of the things that's going around is they're trying to say that scientifically it would have been impossible for a man, speaking of Jonah, to live inside the belly of a fish for three days. They're, they're saying that, that scientifically... It's absolutely impossible uh, for, for, for Jonah to have survived in the belly of a fish for three days. Therefore, that, that story can't be real. And if we can't believe that story, what, why, why would we even believe the rest of the Bible? It's impossible for that to have happened. Y'all, y'all read the story of Jonah before? Anyone? anyone? And uh, it's scientifically impossible. Here's the thing. I actually agree with them. I, I actually believe that it's scientifically impossible for a man to live inside the belly of a fish for three days. I also believe that it's impossible, it's scientifically impossible for hundreds of thousands of people to walk across the Red Sea on dry land. I also believe that that it's scientifically impossible for Jesus to pick up some dirt, spin a nip, and put it on a man's eyes and for that man to see for the first time in his entire life. I also believe that it's, it's scientifically impossible for, for Jesus to raise someone from the dead, not just raise someone from the dead, but for him to be dead, then for three days to raise himself from the dead. I also believe it's scientifically impossible for a virgin to give birth to a savior. A virgin. It's scientifically impossible. That doesn't prove that the Bible is not real. That just proves that God is God. That just proves that Jesus is Lord. Who's Lord over your life? Because if he's not Lord over everything, he's not Lord over anything. That was harsh. Point number two is we're going to, point number two is this. He is the great I am. Let's say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. He is the great I am. That was okay. He is the great I am. We find this again in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It says this, Exodus 3.14. Exodus 3.14 says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Uh, This is the scripture where um, God reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush. 
Y'all seen the DreamWorks, the DreamWorks movie? One, two of us, awesome. I think it's, I think it's on, I don't know if it's on Netflix. Anyway, he says, uh, I am who I am. We also find this in the New Testament, referring to Jesus. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I'll just say something else real quick. This is a side note. Uh, if you can find it in the Old Testament, you can find it in the New Testament. We got to start reading this book as one book and stop choosing sides. This is the story of God. We got to start reading it as one book. And um, find Old Testament, find it in the New Testament. One of the things that we glean from this, I am that I am, is that if you, if you were to put an equal sign between I am and I am, that, that's the only thing that could ever possibly make sense because God cannot be compared to anyone. Does that make sense? I'll say it a different way. Uh, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do they say that I am? What's the first thing that come out, came out of their mouth? Well, some say you're JTB, John the Baptist, right? Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. They, they instantly begin to compare God to someone or something else. Let me tell you something. God cannot be compared to anybody or anything from your past. He's in his own category. He's in his own division. He's in his own league. There's nothing that you've ever experienced that comes close to the power, to the love, to the grace, and to the forgiveness of God. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, but we do it so much. Oh, we, we compare God so, so much. I have this, and it's not an addiction, but if it is, this is a safe space to confess it, right? Is this a safe space? Cam, is it a safe space? I, I, I used to, some, some would say, my wife would say I still do. I, um, I used to buy a lot of glasses. They're all prescription because I have to wear glasses, you know, from, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. And uh, so I used to buy all these different glasses. Do you want to see them? I got him. Okay, you want to see him for real? You want to see him? Come on, everybody. You want to see him? Okay. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, so here's the first one. I'm going to set this down. How do I look? Blue steel? Blue steel action? All the teenagers are like, what? What's blue steel? Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Okay. It's only the greatest modeling pose. Man, these are so foggy. But how do you like these? I'm like, I just want to have you judge, you know, this is just a little modeling show for the next five seconds. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. On the count of, uh, on the count of three, you're just going to give me a score for the glasses, one through ten on the count of three, ten being the best, one being you don't like them, one, two, three. Eight, six, two. Okay, so this is, this is number one. Okay, y'all like these? Give it up for these ones, yes? I don't, I don't wear these ones a lot, but... <laughs> They're all right. Okay, here's, here's another pair. You want to see more? I, I, I go on for days. Here you go. Here's the next pair. So I've never actually worn these in public before. <laughs> But when I, when I saw them online, I thought, man, those are going to be cool. And so now, like, thank you, Megan. And so now they're just kind of like, you know, if, if, I do, if I need glasses and I don't care if they break, 
then these are the ones that I'm going to wear. One through ten on the count of three. One, two, three. Seven. All right, so kind of middle of the road. One, Emlyn says one. You can leave. Um, and so we're going to do, you want to see one more? There's actually two more, but you want to see, is this, is this good? Come on. Okay, here we go. You don't have to tempt me. Come on, somebody. I call these the Carl Lentz, the Judah Smith, you know, all those guys. They feel like they don't fit. I feel like they're, when they're kind of blurry. But I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? On the count of 10, okay? One, two, three. I see a lot of 10s. I see a lot of Apex Campus. What do you say? They said 10. I got them in my ear. They said 10. Two? Two, ten, ten. Seven and a half. Okay, listen. Okay, stop it. I got one more pair. I got one more pair. You want to see one more? This is the best because these are, these are so good. It's so, here we go. <laughs> They're still hot. <laughs> If only tonight was our anniversary. Come on, somebody. Yeah. These ones, these bad boys, <laughs> these bad boys, I only whip out for special occasions. You know what I'm saying? I wore these to the Vizzies. Who is at the Vizzies? Our volunteer. Yeah, listen, if you're not volunteering, I get to serve.com. You can come to the visits and see these bad boys more often. <laughs> but uh, I wear these on special occasions, maybe like once or twice uh, in my life, because I just think that they're super cool. But uh, I don't know if you can see, they got like, a, like an orange tint to them. You see that? They got like a, can you see in the camera? I don't know. They got like an orange tint. And so it, it, it kind of looks like everybody like went to tan and beyond yesterday and some of y'all needed it let's be honest so these are helping y'all out but um and uh and so but the interesting thing about these interesting thing about these is um when when you look at them uh, for the first time everything looks so different that the colors are distorted you can't see life necessarily as as it is and, and what happens much of the time with God is we're supposed to be looking at God clearly, but we put this filter of comparison on him, and we start seeing him through comparing others. And so many of you are comparing God to your earthly father. And your earthly father was abusive, and your earthly father hit your mother and, and hit your older siblings. And so when you look at God, you're not looking at him clearly. You're looking at him through the lens of your earthly father. And because your earthly father was abusive, 
you just think that God is out to punish you. You think that every sin that you make, God is just like, I can't wait to get him this time. Like, I can't wait to lay the hammer on them this time. You just think you live in fear of God, not a healthy fear, in fear of God because you think that every time that you sin, that a bad thought pops in your mind, that you say that one thing that you didn't mean to say, you think that God is just like, man, I'm going to beat them. Let me just say something to you real quick. God doesn't punish you because he already punished Jesus on the cross. Jesus took your punishment. So God's not walking around waiting to punish you. He's not the abusive father that you grew up with. He's not the the abusive father that, that, that you spent so much time with. There's nothing and nobody that you can compare to God. Maybe your, maybe your father abandoned you. And so instead of seeing God clearly, you, you put this lens of abandonment over God. And you think that, man, God, God aban- uh, my father abandoned me, so, so who's to say that God won't do the same? That my father, he didn't want, when, when he found out that my mother was pregnant, dude was gone. And so when, when you're looking at God, you, you begin to compare him to your earthly father, and you see God through a different light, and that's not God. God cannot be compared. God does not abandon his people. God is faithful. God is righteous. You've you got to stop looking at God through the lens of your earthly father. Or maybe your father was disappointed in you. Maybe your father wished that, that you hadn't even been born. Maybe your father approved nothing about you. Maybe he was constantly upset with you, and there was nothing that you could do to ever please him. And so you begin to see God in the same way. Instead of seeing God as the loving, as the gracious, you know that God's thoughts for you outnumber the, the sand on the shore? That's right. That he can't get you out of his mind? that he's always thinking about you, that he approves everything that you are. Instead, you begin to, to see God through the lens of your earthly father who was consistently disappointed in you, and you just think that God is forever upset with you. You think that there's nothing in your life that you could ever do that would make God smile. And it's a lie from the enemy, and you need to get that lie behind you and rebuke it for you right now in Jesus' name. Because listen, that's not how God sees you. You need to take off the lenses. You need to start seeing him clearly. He is, I am that I am. There's nothing that you can compare to, maybe you compare him to your past. And you only see God through the lens of your past. And you wonder, why in the world could God ever let me go through what I went through? He must not be good. Why in the world could, could God ever let that person go through what they let that person go through? He must not be just. And you filter God through the lens of your past. And what you're doing is you're limiting his access on your life. And the things that he wants to do, the heart surgery that he wants to do on you, you're saying, no, 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 I can't let you in. Because you've put so much restraints and filters on God, you need to take that filter off today. You need to leave it at the altar today. If you're still with me, say yeah. yeah. Point number three is this. 
Point number one was, he is Lord. Point number two was, I am. That I am, he is the great I am. And point number three is, he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Another simple point, Pastor Michael. Well, let's talk about it real quick. Let's talk about it. He is the Messiah. He is the deliverer. Um, in Matthew chapter 16, again, what we read a few moments ago, Jesus asked Peter the question, well, who do you say that, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered in verse 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. This is important. Pay attention. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And then Jesus says, and upon this, I will build my church. This is super important to understand because many Christians, many preachers, many pastors get this wrong. What what Jesus was saying to Peter was not upon you, I'll build my church. He's not building his church upon Peter. He's not building a church upon me, nor is he upon you. What Jesus was saying is, I'm building my church on the revelation that my Father has given you that I am the Messiah. That's what he builds his church on. It's the revelation. It's God revealing to you that Jesus is the Messiah. And I pray right now that every heart would be stirred in this place. That, oh, Father God, every heart that does not yet know, that has not yet been revealed, you would reveal to him and into her in this moment that you are the Christ. This is a good prayer to pray for every single person struggling to understand who Jesus is. Oh, Father, reveal to me as you revealed to Peter. Reveal to, reveal to my friends as you revealed to Peter. Reveal to my grandkids as you revealed to Peter. I know he's the Messiah because he's revealed it to me time and time again. I'm gonna close with this. Can I share a story real quick? Can I share a story, is that okay? You can pull that picture on the screen. This is my son, Elliot. This is our, our eldest out of two. And this picture was taken about four, four years ago in a few months. This was uh, five days after he was born. And, uh, and he's so cute. He's so cute. Just say, aw. Very cutie. He gets it from his mom. And uh, so... And you can keep that up just for a few moments, but I'll just tell the story. Elliot is, is our firstborn. And um, so when, when Mickey had gotten pregnant, you know, it usually takes about nine months. I don't know if you heard that before. It usually takes about nine. And uh, so the nine months, you know, in some senses they go by fast, but in other senses it takes a while. And so we had been eagerly waiting and, and, and eagerly waiting for the arrival of our son, Elliot, to be born. And nine months shows up 
and uh, Mickey still isn't experiencing any contractions. And so nine months and one week show up and not really anything. It was like nine months and like nine days or something like that. And she finally had begun to, to feel the baby coming. And so we, we called the, the clinic or whatever and we're like, hey, you know, we're, you know, because her and I are one. So we are getting the contractions, you know, together. And um, that's what the Bible said. I'm just saying that's, that's what the Bible says. And so, um, and, 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 and so they're like, okay, wait at home for a few hours until they reach like what, like a, a certain distance apart for an extended period of time. I, I don't know. Until she's in a lot of pain is basically what they were saying. Then you can come in. And, and so we were at home for like 10 hours and the, con- the contractions are just, they're the same space apart for the same duration. And we're like, man, this, this seems like it, like it should have been a little bit quicker. So we call them. They're like, well, why don't you come on in? So we check in and we're, we're in the hospital and, and uh, we wait probably an additional, again, 10 hours and, and nothing, no, really no progress right? And, so, and I don't mean to get too graphic, but you know, the, the nurse, you know, they, they check and see how far along she's dilated. And, you know, after like 18, 20 hours, she's at like three centimeters, right? If you don't know what that means, not good, right? And so, um, so they put her on, you know, the, the medicine and they begin to speed up the contractions and, and all of those things. And it's like another 10 hours before my son is born. And so, and, and, and I don't even know, I can't even tell you the exact minute or the exact hour because honestly, anyone who's ever had a kid is like, man, it was a blur, let me tell you. But all I know is from the time we, from the day that we started, it was two days later until Elliot finally was born. It was 3 a.m. Uh, we were exhausted. She was exhausted. I was exhausted too, but in a different kind of way. And uh, so... You know, it's 3 a.m. We're both exhausted. Elliot finally is born. And uh, for like 30 seconds, it seems like everything is so good. And um, it seems like everything is, is awesome. And here's our newborn son. And he's laying on, on her, you know. And, and I'm happy. I'm the dad. I'm super tired, but I'm happy. And then all of a sudden, like in a moment, the nurse, the midwife, the nurse, she looks at me and says, I need you to hold your son. We're taking your wife to the operating She's losing too much blood. And probably two minutes go by. Eight or nine doctors show up, and they wheel her out at 3 a.m. in the morning. And, and I'm holding my, my newborn son, Elliot, and at the same time, all the joy and, and the excitement, I'm wondering if I'll ever see my wife again. And if I can be really, really vulnerable, it was hard not to blame him in that moment. I'm holding my son. It's 3 a.m. We've been doing this for two days. And I don't know that I'll ever see Mikaela again. So I'm sitting on the couch. It's just me, Elliot, and my mom was there. And my mom, you know, the room was full two minutes ago. And now it's just me, my son, and my mom. And I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm holding my son, and I'm crying, and I'm bawling. And my mom just begins to pray. She just begins to call down heaven in that room right then and there. 
Let me just say this. Let me pause real quick. To each and every mother in this room who's praying for their children, to each and every mother in this room who's opening up the Bible each and every evening and reading it to their, ch- ch- to their children, to each and every person, to each and every mother who's teaching your kids Bible verses and the ways of the Lord and teaching them that Jonah existed and teaching them the miracles of Jesus and teaching them that they can trust him in every single situation and teaching him that he is who he says he is. Keep going. Keep going. Here's why. Because there's not a lot of godly mothers left. So you keep teaching your kids. It's making a difference. And so we're, 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 we're crying, and my mom is praying, and, and I'm crying, and Elliot's crying, and I, I don't know where Mickey is. And, and, then, and then we just, after about 10 minutes, we just feel peace over the room. An additional 30 minutes go by. They wheel Mickey back in. The next day, midwife comes up to me, and she was like, I've never seen, I've never seen something that scary before. They had to give her three blood transfusions that night because she lost so much blood. This isn't meant to scare you. All the first time, I was like, holy smokes, get me out of here. You can't convince me that the Messiah wasn't in the operating room that night. There's nothing that you can say that will convince me that the Messiah, that the King of Kings, that the Lord of Lords was not with my wife last night. Yes, did he use doctors and he used nurses? Yes, but it wasn't them that healed him. It was Jesus and it was only Jesus. It was the Messiah. It was the Redeemer. It was the Prince of Peace. It was Jehovah Jireh. It was Jehovah El. It was the Lord. Who's Lord over your life this morning? Who's Lord over your life? Is, he, is Jesus the Messiah or are you serving somebody else? I'm going to ask every head and bowed and every eye closed. We're going to get ready for some baptisms, but just before we do, this is the most important part of the service so far. Experienced host team, you can get ready. But maybe you're, you're sitting down here this morning and, and you're saying, you know what? I... I I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to be honest, he's not even Lord of my life. And you need to make that decision this morning. Or maybe he was once Lord of your life and you've walked away and you need to come back to him. Stop playing games this morning. This is your opportunity. If that's you on the count of three, nobody looking around, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you to the front. If that's you, you're saying, and, and, and Christians, be praying right now. If that's you, you're saying, you're saying, Jesus is not Lord, but I want him to be. On the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand. Just hide enough so that I can see it. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. Hide enough so that I can see it. Just lift your hand. We're going to give you a gift. Keep your hands up. We're going to slip a card in your hands. There's a couple over here. There's a couple over there. We're going to give you a gift. Slip your hand up high enough so that I can see it. Come on, slip it up high enough so that I can see it. You're making the decision this morning that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. I want him to be Lord over my life. Come on, hands going up all over the place. Keep your hands up until you get a white card. Once you get that white card, you can put your hand down. Someone in the back over there. Once you get that white card, you can put your hand down. Here's what we're going to do. 
we're going to pray all together. And then after the experience, I want you to take that white card to the life change starts here banner. It's right over there to my left, your right. There's a team of people. They're going to give you a Bible. They're going to pray with you. But let's pray together. Let's repeat after me. Jesus, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I repent of my sins and turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands for salvation in this place? Hey, would you stand up to your feet? We're about to have a baptism party. Would you get up to your feet right now? We're going to, before we do, I just want to take a moment. I want to take a moment right here. For the next 30 seconds, would you lift your hands right now? Would you just begin to praise God for being King of Kings, for being Lord of Lords, for being the Messiah, the great I am. He is God. And we're about to party like it's 1999 around this place. Here's what I need you to do. One last piece of instruction. Check this out. Look at me, look at me, look at me. If Jesus is Lord of your life, but you've yet to be water baptized. Why are you waiting? If Jesus is Lord over your life, then live like he's Lord over your life. You need to be water baptized today. I'm gonna give this microphone to Pastor Ed. Wave your hand, Pastor Ed. And we're gonna start baptizing. We got like a thousand people. But listen, listen, hear me out. We've got t-shirts, we've got shorts, we've got towels, we have everything that you need. Stop making excuses. If you've given your life to the Lord and you've not been water baptized, today is your day. When I hand the microphone to Pastor Ed, I want you to head on right over here to that baptism banner. We're going to get you hooked up. Today is your day if you've never been water baptized. All right. All right. Y'all ready? Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Come on. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. This ministry is made possible because of the generosity of many people like you. To partner with us, you can click the link in our description or visit gifttofocus.com. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe now and share it with a friend. For more inspirational content, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash focus church. Join us next week for another incredible message.